Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? Okay, let's record the much anticipated ADHD update um, that I was meant to record like a month ago. (laughs) And then some shit happened. Some ADHD shit, ADHD related shit happened in my life. And I'm just like, no, I need to give it a few more weeks. I really wanted to sit with what I was going through so that I could come into this podcast and answer the questions that you guys sent me through. So I did, I did a poll on Instagram. I kind of asked everyone what they wanted to know, what the update people wanted to know. Cause I bet I got my referral to have my appointment like this time last year after my daughter got diagnosed with ADHD. And I kind of finally got around to actually going to the GP, getting the appointment and going through the referral process. I'm like coming up to a year of officially having my diagnosis and my paperwork. So yeah, I thought I would put it out there and answer the questions because a lot of the inboxes that I get are related to this. And while I am no expert, I can like I've got a little bit of experience now with being a late diagnosed woman with ADHD. So let's talk about it. Okay, so one of the first questions that came in was like, where do you start? Um, this this particular question was like, I want to start the process, but I feel like I'm being judged. Here's the thing, the way that I kind of like put it in perspective, my sister, who's this brilliant, amazing woman, she's a nurse, she's a midwife, she's, you know, in the medical field. I was kind of saying like, I feel like I'm, I'm just being dramatic. I feel like, you know, I feel like seeking medication or seeking support for this thing when it's not like I've lost a leg or something. And she kind of looked at me and she's like, well, if you got diagnosed with diabetes, people would like type one diabetes, you'd have medication and support and, you know, accommodations around you. She's like, it's the same thing. It's just that there's a stigma attached to ADHD. There's not a stigma attached to type one diabetes, but it's the same, like it's not something that you're in control of. Right. So that's the thing. It was a really great conversation with her. She was actually the first person that I sent my report to when I got it back because I just felt like, oh my God, I'm not crazy. (laughs) Thank you so much for putting up with me for the last... Like how old should we be 30 next year? Last 30 years, 29 years. It's her birthday today, actually. The last 29 years. Um, so I feel like there was judgment. I but I also feel like I if I hadn't gone through it with my daughter first, like getting an ADHD diagnosis for me as an adult was like fucking nothing. Because I've gone through three ADHD, sorry, three autism diagnoses for my kids. One ADHD diagnosis, and my other two kids definitely have ADHD, but because like it's not 
you know, we're working through those diagnosis processes. It wasn't as pressing as my daughter's or my ADHD diagnosis. So I think when, when it came to me getting diagnosed, I didn't hold any of that stigma because I'd already faced all my stigma face the kind of uncomfortableness of having my back then two and a half year old diagnosed with autism and I kind of got all that out my system where I felt like oh my god what are other people gonna say what are they gonna think like I had to get over that very fucking quickly (laughs) when my son was obviously different so I think for me it wasn't so much of a big thing the only thing I felt was kind of like people were gonna be like well it's just another trend you're jumping on Shona and I think honestly right up until I got the piece of paper that said like, here are your results. Here are the ADHD traits you've shared with us. Here is like black and white, so fucking clear. I think up until that point, I still thought I might've been making it up. And here's the thing that I've now told to other women when they're like, oh, you know, like I relate to so much of this stuff, but I'm not really sure if I have. And it's like, I think what I've noticed is there are people that are just like, oh my God, I'm so ADHD. And it's, and it's that joke thing. And they might relate to some of it because we know like, you know, some of those traits are really common traits. But when you're having that internal discussion of like, wow, I really, I'm connecting with that. That's making a lot of sense for me. Oh my God. I feel like things are starting to make sense over my life, but maybe I don't, maybe I'm still not there. Like, oh, I don't know if I have it or not. I feel like that's the conversation that actually means you often do right? If you, if you, especially as a woman, when you start to question, like, I'm feeling cold to understand this more, but like, I don't want to be dramatic about it. Like, I don't think I really have, like, I'm functioning fine. Like my life is pretty good. Right. So I don't have it because I'm not this broken, messy pile. But the thing you've got to realize about being a woman with ADHD is the mess is sometimes outside of us, you know, sometimes in that messy home or that one particular drawer in the kitchen that you can't open because it's that jammed full of stuff. But often the mess and the clutter and the chaos, it is all internal. It's in our brain, right? So if you come into my house, it looks like a display home. There is honestly like, there isn't clutter. There isn't junk. I have a cleaner, like things are pretty organized. It's very rare that you'll find a mess in my home. Um, and even, you know, open the cupboards and drawers. Like there's, there's a couple of junk drawers. Don't get me wrong. And if you guys follow me on Instagram, you would have seen me re-sort out the storeroom, um, which is ironic because I didn't actually make a mess of that. That's the kids because they're in and out of there so often. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I, I don't live in a messy home, but my brain is messy every single day. It is a chaos in my head, right? So not knowing where, let's talk about it. And I've talked about this in the podcast previously, but I just wanted to preface that with like, this is the feeling you might be experiencing. You might be thinking like, oh, maybe I do have it, but oh, I probably don't. Like, I'm just like, I'm actually handling things fine. And I don't think it's until you get that piece of paper that's like, here is the score and you can get a maximum score out of nine. And you're going, okay, so I'll probably be like a two or three. Like, it's not too bad. And they're like, and you have nine. You have scored nine. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think until you've got that piece of paper, um, I think, I feel like as well, like I said this to my psychiatrist and I was like, through the diagnosis process, I'm like, do you ever get people like go to this point? This was after he sent me the reports. So, like, do you ever get people go to that point and they don't have ADHD? And he's like, yes, it's very rare, but it is also, then it's something else. Then we're looking at other things, right? And we're looking down at autism. We're looking at a combination of autism and ADHD. We're looking at personality traits. We're looking at CP. What is it? child post-traumatic stress disorder like there's so many other things but it's like if you get to the point where you're having the ADHD assessment and you've gone through those steps 
and you've, you know, had that conversation with the mental health nurse before you get to the ADHD assessment, it's not a matter of like, if you have it or not, it's where the, you know, like, where is it affecting you the most and what's the treatment plans, right? So that's the first thing. Let's just talk about that. Um, the second thing is obviously I went through and I've recommended this place to so many people. It was really, really great. It's called Arcadian Health. It's an online clinic that specializes in ADHD diagnosis and treatment. I saw Dr. George or George Strobel. I was recommended to him by another two other friends of mine um, who had been through the process. One's a friend and one was actually my kid's therapist and she'd used him for her diagnosis. I was like, okay, I, I trust both these friends deeply. So I went and got my referral from the GP, got called up and you need, you need a referral from the GP. You need it to specifically state that you want to see Dr. Strobel at Arcadian Health. And then you send that referral through to Arcadian and then they call you. You have to pay up front. I think it was about $500 for the assessment. And I had my diagnosis and all my information. I think it was in about eight weeks. Keep in mind, this is about a year ago. So, and because I've been recommending them so heavily, that wait time might be a little bit longer. But from getting my referral to eight weeks time, I had my diagnosis. I had the piece of paper that said, yes, you're not crazy, Shona. Your brain does work. Not everyone thinks the same way you do. Your brain is different. Your brain is doing different things and it has so many strengths for you. But also these are some areas that you're feeling really challenged by and that, that genuinely like life has been harder for you. Like you're not insane. You're not, it's not like it's this hard for everyone else. Like it is a little bit harder for you and, and here are the reasons why and this is you know so having that piece of paper was the best thing I ever did but Arcadian Health Dr. George Strobel is who I recommend he's obviously got a great team there but I don't have experience with any of the rest of them to recommend them but I always highly recommend that experience especially because if you're like me you're a busy bitch and if I had to drive into the city to have my ADHD appointment it would become this massive experience where I'd have to think about logistically driving in and what am I going to do and is it before lunch or you know what I mean Whereas having this online appointment, it was two online appointments, first one with the mental health nurse, second one with Dr. George, um, Dr. Strobel, sorry. And yeah, it was great because I could just log on in my pajamas if I needed to, if I forgot about the appointment till last minute or had <laughs> to call them up and be like, I know I booked an appointment. I know it was in June sometime. Could you please just double check <laughs> when that appointment was? And she's like, ah, oh, yes. Okay. Sounds like we don't really need the appointment now. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what I did there. Anyway. That's where I see. That's how to get the process started. See your GP. Um, don't think you're crazy. <laughs> if you are kind of hesitating, going like, am I, aren't I? You know what? Just go through the diagnosis process anyway, if anything, for peace of mind. Um, okay. So the next question was, how has medication changed your daily life? So this has been an interesting one because it has changed recently for me. So when I first started on Ritalin, I started on... Uh, 10 milligrams, I went up to 20 and then I went up to 30 spaced over a day. So I was taking 20 milligrams in the morning and 10 milligrams at about one o'clock. And straight away, I noticed massive improvements, massive. So I've always struggled with food. I've always struggled with just like, I get so hyper-focused on my work that I forget to eat, that I forget to go to the toilet, that I forget to drink water. And I'll basically work for like 16 hours and then come out of it like, oh my God, I need to eat. Otherwise I'm going to fall over. So the first thing that I noticed was I had normal hunger signals, like a normal person. Like I woke up and I made some breakfast and then at like 11 o'clock I had an apple 
and then I had a lunch and I didn't have to set alarms in my phone to remind me to eat and I didn't have to have my husband like tracking my food to make sure I ate enough. Um, if you guys don't know, like I've also battled anorexia for over 20 years. Um, and I think, honestly, I think a lot of the anorexia was exasperated be purely because of ADHD because literally the minute I went on Ritalin, I like didn't have an eating disorder anymore. It was just insane. It was really, really wild. So I'm going to talk about the positive aspects first. So definitely I was much better at eating and like regulating how much like eating enough food, remembering to eat, even to things just like going to the toilet when I need to go to the toilet because I was focusing better. Um, I would be in the middle of the job, stay like in the middle of a work email. And previously to starting on Ritalin, I would have to finish that email. Don't move until the jobs are ticked off your to-do list because I know if I walk down the other end of the house to go to the toilet, I'll see the load of washing that I need to put on. I'll get distracted here. I'll get distracted there. And so I just trained myself over the last 30 years of my life to don't move until it's done. Don't stop until it's done. And this has resulted in like an amazing bladder control, amazing pelvic floor, like tight as a tiger pelvic floor. Um, but the thing is like, I would push myself out for hours because I'm like, I can't move. I can't get distracted. I can't take a break. I can't eat. I can't go to the toilet. I just have to keep going. So what I noticed really quickly was that I was able to literally leave the middle of something I was writing, just go to the toilet, come back and keep going with what I was doing. So that felt a lot healthier. I felt like I had a lot healthier balance in life. I guess I want to say that's probably the best way to put it. What else did I notice? My patience with my kids improved so much. I have like anger problems. I know that now. I'm keenly aware of it after the last 12 months. I have anger issues <laughs> and I have um, pathological demand avoidance, which basically means I find authoritarian figures really hard. If someone tells me to do something and I don't respect them or I don't understand like if the request doesn't make sense or if it's just some random authority like respect your elders thing, I'm just like, no, fuck you. But I noticed that even popped up in regards to my body. The kids asking me for a snack at random times. I'm like, why are you like, don't, why are you asking me? Go ask your father, go ask anyone else. You know what I mean? So I had massive rage problems with the kids. Taking Ritalin, I am the best mum ever. I'm a great mum. I'm a fucking wonderful mum. I've got so much more calm. Just little things like before, because I've got three autistic kids as well. The little things like going to the supermarket with three autistic kids is not a little thing. That's a massive thing. And that can turn out to a horrible experience for everyone in the supermarket, not just me and the kids. So there was a lot of anxiety around that stuff. But being on Ritalin made me feel more capable of doing that type of thing. Like the social anxiety was dramatically reduced and I found I was able to pre-plan further with my business and be more focused. It even got to the point, I think it was late November in my business where I'm like, I have nothing to do. Everything was pre-planned for like six months in advance. I had, I had nothing to do. There was nothing in me inspired or ready to create things. So in that aspect, for that aspect for Ritalin, it was really, really great. I was sleeping better. I was nicer to my kids like everything was just, I was eating properly. I was probably taking care of myself, like in terms of just like, I know it's basic stuff for everyone else, like eating, drinking, remembering to go to the toilet, moving out of one spot. Like I would get stuck in that office chair for like nine hours straight. Um, so in general, I felt like I was being a better human, right? But 
And here's the button. I want to share this with you guys. I don't want to scare you, but I want to be completely transparent about my experience because I'm still figuring this out. This is the thing. I'm a year in. I've been on Ritalin since I think it was September and I'm figuring it out. So here's the thing I noticed like early March was that I was starting to have extreme anxiety. Like I've always suffered a little bit with anxiety, but I've had really good coping strategies, I guess, for it. I've like recognized that it's anxiety, been able to shut it down. I've had panic attacks over the years, but they've been situational panic attacks. Like we nearly capsized our boat as we were teenagers um, out on the ocean. And so I've always had panic attacks around boats and that type of stuff. Ironically, my husband loves fishing. But you know what I mean? Like my panic attacks were contextual. Now I was having panic attacks driving my kids to school. I was having panic attacks in the kitchen. I was having panic attacks laying in bed with my husband at night, just like out of extreme anxiety of just like fear out of nowhere. I was just constantly thinking about everything that was wrong and everything that I wasn't doing right. And it got to the point I love, oh my God, I'm going to cry now. And this is not like me whatsoever. Um, I went to an event, an international women's day event with the beautiful Kelly Martin. She was my date. She's been a client of mine for years and we'd never met in person. So she was like, you want to come to this event? And I was like, fuck yeah, girl. I got so pretty. We went to this event. It was very loud. It was very noisy. There was like singing and yelling and it was, it was an insane, like it was such a sensory overwhelm for me looking back as well. I know. But I was sitting outside with, um, not outside, but my friend Sandra and I were waiting for a coffee. You guys might know Sandra from Business Moms Hub. Um, she's a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, we met a long time, a while ago now, five or six years ago. Anyway, she's amazing. We're sitting having a chat. We don't get to see each other in person very often, even though we talk almost every day. But and I was just standing with her. She's like, let's get a photo together. And I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't move. And I had a full blown panic attack and I was trying so hard to hold it together and just breathe. She was grabbing my shoulders and, and calm me down and then stayed with me. And I was just like, I should not be having a panic attack right now. Nothing is wrong. I'm here with my friends. This is a great day. And then they can send, like after that, that was kind of like a big flag for me. I'm like, I like I handle myself fucking well in a social situation. Anyone who's been at an event with me knows that like there's this this light that I can turn on in those type of situations. I have a fucking great time. But I couldn't that day. And so I went home, I drive home, I had a couple more panic attacks on the way home. It just persisted for like another two weeks. Um, and it was really terrifying. I was like, what is wrong with me? To my husband, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And he's like, well, do you think it could be the Ritalin? I was like, no, what are you talking about? Ritalin saved me. Ritalin saved me. Like Ritalin is my savior. It's doing, it's doing amazing for me. And he's like, why don't you just not take it for the weekend? Let's see how you go. And so I didn't take it for a day. And I didn't take it for two days and I didn't take it for three days and the panic attacks stopped, stopped completely, which was just heaven. And then my sparkle came back and he's like, babe, you're laughing more. You're happy more. I like, and don't, this is another benchmark for me. Like the sex is always good. You gotta know that I have a whole fucking dedicated TikTok to like the fact the sex is always good. The sex is always good. I didn't realize that while I was on Ritalin, it was so much harder for me to orgasm. Like it would take so much longer. Like it wasn't like I wouldn't get there cause I've got a fucking God of a husband, 
but it would take so much longer. And I think like the second day off Ritalin, he touched me for about four seconds and I like had the most amazing orgasm of my life. And I was like, whoa, that's how it was before. I didn't realize it was different. Now I know it's different. Oh my God. Okay. I was like, I'm going to see how I go for a week without it. So it's now been a couple of weeks of not being on my Ritalin full time. And so I've been not having the Ritalin on my work days. This is the thing I've realized now Ritalin makes me a great mum. And for when I have to do mum life and when I have to do like general life stuff, like lots of social activities and um, grocery shopping and running errands and, and taking Holly the cheerleading practice and going to Eric's basketball tryouts, like those days I need it. I do need it to keep me calm, level-headed, focused, and just like in, in the moment with my kids instead of a million miles an hour. But on the days where I don't have to be that woman, so my work day is Monday to Thursday, I don't need it because my magic and what I do for my business, what I do for my brand, where I'm so fucking good at what I do is because I can do 40 hours of work in four hours because I hyperfixate on what I'm excited about because I can get on here and record eight podcasts in one night because that's how like the creativity flows out of me. And that's not normal. That's not like a normal way that people work, but for me, it does work, right? So the minute I tapped out of taking my Ritalin again, um, everything seemed to just pop out. Like I had clients coming out of nowhere, business coming out of nowhere, my relationship better, no more panic attacks again. Um, and then, yeah, just like creativity literally pouring out of me every day, all day long. There's so much I want to do. There's so much I want to create. It's being so well received. Um, so yeah, so I now know I'm experimenting over the next few months before I go back to my GP is with this, like to avoid having the panic attacks because they were really starting to rule my life in a horrible way, um, is really experimenting with this, like using my Ritalin for my motherhood and my life days and then not taking it and, and learning how to manage my ADHD in different ways. Like, oh, there is a reason I drink so much coffee. There is a reason I can have a Red Bull at seven o'clock at night and then go to sleep at 9.30. There is a reason like that I need to take certain um, essential oils to go to sleep at night because they help me not dream. My dreams are so vivid. There are coping strategies that I've had in place for the last 31 years of my life. It is okay to just, you know, amalgamate them with Ritalin when I need it. The ice baths have helped. Going for my daily walks has helped. Really focusing on my self-care, personal development's helped. Um, having a freezer full of meals that I can use so I'm less likely to forget lunches helps. There's all these other strategies to put in place. So I guess I am going to still experiment with my medication. Next time I go back to my GP, I'm going to ask to try Vyvanse, I think it's called. That's what my daughter's on. Um, and that's a really, it's like a low, slow release. So I'm hoping that maybe trying a very low dose of that will allow me to have the benefits of ADHD medication without the panic attacks and the negative side effects. Um, so yeah, still experimenting and playing with that and figuring out what is the right option for me. And I know that that's okay because I went through that with my daughter. We tried different doses. We tried different medications to figure out what worked for her and what she felt best on, what she liked, what worked for her. So I'm just uh, giving myself the same grace and time to figure that out. Yeah. So Question number, another question that came through was, is it worth getting diagnosed even if you don't want to take medication? Yes, 
I'm going to explain why. Because recently my son, Eric, he's 11, he's going to go through the process as well. Now, he doesn't need medication for ADHD. It's not affecting him in the, like the violent rage way that it does with, <laughs> with Holly and me. <laughs> but it's still noticeable. It still is something that we need to have on paper as he moves into high school, as he's having different conversations with teachers and his basketball coaches and trainers and, and all the different therapy team that we work with about how to learn best for his brain how to regulate best for his brain and just to allow those concessions. And that's what it comes back to. Even if I don't take any ADHD medication for the rest of my life, that piece of paper, my ADHD like diagnosis report, I seriously, I want to get it framed. Like I want to fucking frame it. I love it so much. I go back and read it all the time because I still have these moments of like, did I just dump on a TikTok trend? I'm like, go read that report, bitch, and see how high your fucking scores were. (laughs) You're the most ADHD bitch I've ever fucking seen. Right. So I still reference that report all the time. If anything, even if I never wanted to go down the medication path, even, and this is the thing as well, Dr. George Strobel, the report that he gave me with like what to do next, it, there was a paragraph on medications that I had to take to my GP. And then there was two whole pages of other stuff, books to read, vitamins to try, the cold water exposure therapy that he recommended. I mean, I was already doing that, but he recommended it with the Wim Hof breathing method. And There was all this other stuff that was in conjunction with the medication, right? So medication isn't this one, this fix all. I think that's when you go into diagnosis and you're like, I'm going to get the medication, it's going to fix me. And it's like, no, babe, that's not how it works. Number one, you're not broken to begin with. But number two, it's ways to find the things you're challenged with and work with them and put like contingencies in place to minimize the challenges and maximize your strengths. I guess you would say, and figure out the opportunities. But if anything, the report, the diagnosis, having that ADHD neurodivergent tie to me now as a person has gifted me so much self-compassion because I've spent the last 30 years feeling like an alien like why I just couldn't figure it out and why I couldn't get it right and why these little things that everyone else seemed to do so easily felt so hard for me. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. I think I've spent the last 30 years beating myself up inside for it. And then you start to understand why you are the way you are and why you can't stand the sound of the football playing in the background for hours on end and why after a big social event you feel like you could just need to lay flat on your face on your bed for nothing and do nothing for four hours afterwards and why it's so hard for you to communicate that particular way and why if you don't see your friends in person for two or three weeks you literally forget they exist and it it just I started to understand myself in a whole new way And I started to be gentler on myself. And then once you start to realize that, you know, everyone says you take your ADHD medication and that like cracks the lid and lifts the the lid up and the autism starts to sparkle out. And I can definitely see that in myself. There is a a point in the future where I'm going to have to go through the autism diagnosis as well. That's become blatantly, glaringly (laughs) obvious to me now, which is like, oh, okay. I can't sit there and blame my husband's side of the family for that anymore. That's that's clearly on me as well. Um, but if any, just the self-compassion and the grace and the, the deep understanding 
as I navigate this. And yeah, there's a little bit of frustration and rage and like, oh, I've lived this 30 years as a lie, but it's also like, I wouldn't be who I was today. I wouldn't be who I am today. If I'd been diagnosed at seven, you know, I wouldn't have achieved all this amazing stuff. If I've had, if I would have, you know, been looked at differently or, or thought of differently. Um, so I'm grateful I got diagnosed when I did. I am so so encouraging of any woman, any man, any child that wants to take this step and to figure this out for themselves because it is a fucking experience. It is an experience. And when I look back at like, it's taken me eight years to get diagnosed properly with the problems that happened with my lady parts. So I have PCOS. I got diagnosed with that about seven years ago, but also um, at endometriosis. Ando? Yeah, it's not the endo. It's the Aiden one. Anyway, it starts with A. I only just got diagnosed with that like a, a month and a half ago and I'm booked in for a hysterectomy like it, with that much speed, but it took eight years to get the diagnosis of that. And I had to keep pushing because it affected my physical health. I was in pain and I look back and I'm like, how much longer would have I sat in emotional pain, in mental pain, let the ADHD affect me for so much longer because it didn't have a physical symptom. So I'm eternally grateful for getting my ADHD diagnosis, even if I never take another Ritalin again, even if I never tell anyone that I have ADHD again. I like sharing some content and sharing about it because a lot of my client base and audience is also ADHD. You'll find this is we actually, um, neurospicy people tend to gravitate toward each other. It's this really, really fascinating concept where, you know, one person in the friend group gets diagnosed and then two years later, everyone's diagnosed. And it's not because everyone thinks it's a trend. It's because we're having conversations where we feel comfortable interrupting each other for the thing that just happened in our brain and skipping around to 20 different topics. Whereas, you know, neurotypical people find that rude. We all work like our brains all work like that. So it's totally fine. So it makes sense that we end up in these gravitational circles where we're all friends. Anyway, I don't want to ramble and take up too much of your time. But those were kind of the main questions that came through. A lot of them were repeating questions about diagnosis and medication. So I hope I've answered that for you. I am still figuring this out. I've actually really had to not let this become a cornerstone of my marketing strategy. I've been advised by many people, um, especially recently, it seems to be really popping up for me that I need to angle my business around helping neurodivergent women in business. I need to really make the ADHD part of my branding. I need to advertise the fact that I'm a mum to three disabled kids. That needs to be the cornerstone of the marketing. That needs to be the foundation. We need to talk more about your ADHD. And I'm I'm just like, bitch, I'm still figuring this shit out. I'm so, fr- I'm like a little baby ADHD. You know, when people are like, um, I know, I know that people a lot of like when they're like, oh my God, I'm coming out as a lesbian. And two minutes later, they're like doing an interview about being a lesbian. And it's just like the, the lesbians that have been lesbians for 40 years are sitting there like, what the fuck? She's been doing it two weeks. I feel like that's where I'm at with my ADHD. I'm like, I'm not qualified to speak on this unless it is the, the speaking that's coming from my direct and very short, limited experience with what I've been going through. So you won't be seeing me turning into the ADHD mentor anytime soon. That is not my intention in this space, but it is stuff I get asked about a lot. I've been very open about my journey going through diagnosis. Um, I certainly won't be doing any trainings on anytime soon, but I'm always happy to chat in the DMs um, and open up those conversations, give you like referral or I guess refer you to the people that I have seen and always share my medic, like my experiences 
with the medication as well because I feel like that's another important conversation to have. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. I hope you've got a lot of information out of this podcast. And if anything, I just wish you luck on your diagnosis journey or supporting someone else going through diagnosis or newly diagnosed. There's a lot of amazing resources out there, but don't be afraid to forward. I also wanted to take a second to remind you guys that I have this thing that I do where if you leave a review of the podcast, if you leave a review of my books on Amazon and you actually send me a screenshot of the review that you've left, my team will send you a $111 discount code that you can use on any of our online courses or offerings. So, so yeah, just leave a quick review um, on whatever you're listing this to, or if you've read my books and you hop on over to Amazon and leave a review there, that would mean so much to me. It would help get the message out and help other people make informed decisions about listening to the podcast or purchasing the book. And then, yeah, I get to treat you guys with an awesome little discount code as well. So yeah. listening to this episode of the sexy selfish mums manifesting wealth podcast as always we would love to hear your feedback on instagram so slide on into my dms or share a story with this episode any feedback or questions you have and if you'd like to find out more about the elite membership either send me a dm on instagram or head on over to our website and learn more about our 12 month mastermind for women in business ready to unlock the inner wealthy woman and create a business that allows you impact and income from a place of alignment and integrity. It's fucking amazing and I would love to have you a part of it. Um, Enjoy! Enjoy!